Amen. Diolchan. Baradhan, I swelachi. My name's John, and I'm part of the uh, uh, church plant team here at Capo Galadi. And it's my privilege, and it is a great privilege, to preach to you this morning about uh, John, uh, James 4. Uh, James, for those of you who don't know, um, was a brother of Jesus and also the leader of uh, the church in Jerusalem. And unlike many of the books that, uh, say, Paul wrote, it's not his book is not about a specific issue that was going on with the church at the time. James had been the leader of the church for a while and had gained a lot of experience. And he probably knew he was going to die soon, die because the church was being persecuted greatly. And many of the, the Christians in Jerusalem at the time had been, had been murdered. And he wanted to pass on as much wisdom as he could to other believers, to other churches around the world at the time. And obviously, 2,000 years later, here we are, we're still picking up on this wisdom. And it's just five chapters there in James. And he's the most economical writer I know. Every verse is filled with different wisdom, different things that we can learn from. And um, Alan said before that uh, the general theme is about being obedient to God today. But I've taken it as a different twist. I've given it a different title. And the title is that I've given it, and it's up there now, Making the Most of a Wisp of Fog. Making the Most of a Wisp of Fog. We have had a foggy week this week. Um, but I'm not talking about big fog. I'm talking about little fogs. In fact, I'm talking about this kind of fog. That's it. Anyway, you'll find out what all that's about later on. Okay, so I won't bring that up just yet. Instead, I'm going to begin at the beginning because it's usually a good uh, place to start. Um, I'm going to just ask Chris, if you just bring this slide. Is it the other one up? Just the one on, yeah, there it is. That's a slide. Those of you who've been coming here uh, more than about two weeks will be familiar with this slide because it's there all the time just to remind us what we're all about uh, here at Capital Lady. Following Jesus, building community, and loving Anglesey. And as I was reading James 4, I thought, wow, there's so much of James 4 that's about these issues. So let's make a start now. Sorry, Chris, I'm making you jolt about here. But here's the next one now, and it's the start of um, James 4 here. And I'm just, I'm going to get reading it. And actually, I'm reading from the message. The words are up there. Feel free to help yourself to Bibles there at the front. There's uh, Bibles in Camaraygan and in English. uh, All my quotes here from the message um, on the wall there. And in the message, it describes this as get serious, all right? This section of the chapter is about getting serious. Let's have a look what it has to say. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have. And are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours. And you'll risk violence to get your hands on it. You won't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. 
you're spoiled children, each wanting your own way. You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. For those of you observant will notice I've highlighted that particular bit. Um, there's a lot in there, but one of the big focus of this, this whole section, I feel, is in that little uh, bit there that I've highlighted. But I will carry on. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. It's a normal state of human heart to try and build its identity around something besides God. We all do it. Even those who've given our life to Jesus, we all try and build our life on other things, don't we? Spiritual pride is this illusion that we're competent to run our own lives. We're competent to run our own lives. My goodness. Achieve our own sense of self-worth and finding a purpose big enough to give us meaning in a life without God. I was really apt that uh, Amy shared this morning what she did about about depression. Um, we were talking about it. We had friends over for dinner. My beautiful wife was 25 yesterday. And uh, we had a meal uh, that evening with friends. And we were talking about that and how many people uh, we knew that had problems with, uh, with depression. It's a real scourge. I'm a, I'm a high school teacher as well. Uh, and um, I think it's one in five young women uh, that I teach. I teach in high school and... Um, are self-harming one time or other in their time there. And uh, the figures for, for the guys are, are, are similar, different issues for them, but similar. And it's a lack of purpose, such a lack of purpose. And it's all really down to the fact we're trying to fill, fill our lives, give ourselves purpose in things other than God. The normal human ego is built on something besides God. It searches for something that will give it a sense of worth, a sense of specialness, a sense of purpose, and builds itself on that. And of course, we are often reminded, if you try to put anything in the middle of the place that was originally made of, uh, for God, it's going to be too small. It's going to rattle around. That's what will happen if... Uh, if we try to put other things in the place where God should be. Now, I also, before I highlighted uh, that on the, on the side there, that says, it's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. But what is this 
this pride business. We all have our image in what this spiritual pride is. And we probably all think that everyone else has got it, but not us. Well, I've put some things on here. I think, that, I think the next slide has got this on, yeah? A few uh, bullet points, there's six of them, so you'll notice they're not all on this one slide, but I'm just going to go through these with us uh, now about what the spiritual pride's all about. How about this? Spiritual pride makes you more aware of others' faults than my own. I think I've got this sometimes. Spiritual humility makes you far more aware of your own faults than others'. Spiritual pride leads you to speak of others' faults with an air of, I'll have to look it up here now, uh, with an air of contempt or disdain. Spiritual humility, when you speak of others' faults, you do so with grief and mercy. Spiritual pride leads you to separate from those who criticize you or you separate and avoid them. Spiritual humility means you stick with people in difficult relationships. You don't give up. A proud person is dogmatic about every point of belief and cannot distinguish between a major and a minor point of doctrine. A spiritual humble person is able to make that distinction. They're flexible. Just next slide, please, Chris. <coughs> A proud person loves to confront because they, they love winning. Or you refuse to confront because you don't like controversy. A spiritual humble person confronts when necessary. A spiritually proud person is often unhappy and feels sorry for themselves. They're filled with self-pity because they're sure how life ought to go. And they're sure they deserve a good life. A spiritual humble person believes they should be cast off, but it's by God's grace they are able to live. I wonder, as we sat there this morning, and I certainly was wondering when I was writing this down, which spiritual pride do you have? If you're like me, you probably have a number of those at different times. You see, none of us have got it sussed, have we? None of us are perfect. We're a a work in progress. Jesus has a lot of work to do with each one of us. For some of us, he's only just started as well. For some of us, he started, and maybe it's been a long time, but we've not really made much progress. I wonder, I wonder what we're going to do about it. It's not about wallowing. I don't want anybody to do that. I'm not putting those up there to think, oh, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm a terrible person. I'm going to give up. I'm absolutely useless. I can do that at times. I love a good pity party every now and again. It's really good. But uh, it doesn't get you anywhere, really, does it? And it certainly doesn't make you into the person that uh, God wants you to be. It doesn't make you into that, that wisp of fog that actually is relevant and does something that gets you involved in creator's plan. Anyway, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. There's so much stuff in James. So I'm going to move on. And the other thing there, that's a bit about following Jesus, about spiritual pride. Uh, I think as well in uh, James, there's quite a lot about building community. Now, there's one verse in, um, in James 4 about this. So I nicked 
two from James 3. So apologies to James, I've pinched those. They're the last ones in James 3, but I think they fit quite nicely in there. If you don't think that, I've got the microphone, I'd look. <laughs> anyway, here it goes. Building community here. Real wisdom, God's wisdom begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It's gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy and robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. I know it's hard to believe this, but some of you might not get on with me naturally. Some of you, I'm a great guy, by the way, but uh, some of you, my personality might grate on you a little bit. <laughs> it does with my wife occasionally, I've got to say. Uh, but thank, thank God she does still love me for it. Uh, anyway, let's move on a little bit and uh, go to the next bit in James 4. And it says this, and it's still about building community. Don't bad mouth each other, friends. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? So what does this building community look like? You've heard those words there. They're really powerful, aren't they? And what does it look like? We're all damaged goods in this room. None of you here is perfect. For some of you, I might be breaking news to you, but I don't think I am. I think all of you here know that. So don't expect everybody else to be brilliant, undamaged people. Sometimes we have to give each other a lot of grace, don't we? And a lot of forgiveness. We are going to mess it up, aren't we? And do you know what? The church is unique. All of you here, I'm sure, have been involved in different communities. I know we've got writing groups here. There's different sporting groups and music groups and all those things. And you choose to go there. And all of you will have probably a common interest in that one thing. If we are honest here, we've got all different ages. And it's, it's fantastic. Church is, is brilliant in this, this unique organization. There's all ages that should be all, should be all backgrounds all different personalities in this grace mix that uh, God has created to call church. And they're all people who probably wouldn't hang out together ordinarily. But we do. And by doing that, I think it should be great. It is great. Not should be, it is great. Sometimes we mess it up. But it's a great thing, isn't it? You know, other organizations, it's all just about that one thing or the, or the other thing and have that in common but God brings people from all places and we call it church all bound together in a desire to know more about Jesus all bound together by a love of Jesus and wanting to raise him higher it doesn't mean being part of this community that we have to agree on everything it doesn't mean that we never 
challenge people. That's not what it's all about. But it does mean living well. It does mean treating each other with dignity and honor. And maybe that's something we can all think, can't we, about? What does that mean? What does dignity and honor mean in terms of our day-to-day lives, our day-to-day walks? I'm not giving you that answer. Think about that yourself and maybe ask God. I'm now going on to the the next bit of uh, James 4 here. And uh, this is where me Fabrice comes in. You are nothing but a wisp of fog. And now I have a word for you who brashly announced. Today at the latest, tomorrow we're off to such and such a city in the year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're nothing but a wisp of fog. Catching a brief bit of sun. That's quite nice, that smell. Uh, catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit to say, if the master wills it and you're still alive, we'll do it, we'll do this or that. Now, the danger, and we as human beings, because I, l- I would love to do this, so, oh, great, James has done it. All we have to say is, if the master wills it, and then we can tick that box, and it's all great, we've done that. Well, that's not what that passage is saying. It's about a state of mind. It's just holding things lightly. It's not saying don't plan. It's not saying that at all. There's many other instances in in Scripture where um, we're told to plan. We're told to, to plan things. But this is about a state of mind, about holding on to things. Just have a think of yourself about the last five years for you. wonder what that's been like. wonder how many plans you've had. And I wonder how many plans have been massively changed by things you've had absolutely no control over whatsoever. And it's those outfield balls that really catch us, don't they? There's one last bit as well, and this is really challenging. So I'm on to the last bit of this passage, but it's a good one. On the next slide, I think, Chris, thanks. Oh, sorry, no, back one. Oh, maybe it's at the bottom there. Yeah, probably, sorry, it's at the bottom. I'm, I'm fooling you there, sorry, Chris. It says this, as it is, you're full of your grandiose selves, all such vaunting self-importance, and it says there is evil. In fact, you know the right thing to do, and you don't do it, and that for you is evil. Gosh, it's challenging that, isn't it? You know, sometimes I look with great envy at, uh, at other, other paths, other religions. All you have to do is bow down five times a day, say, inshallah, and whatever it is, whichever particular uh, religion that come up with different things, because it's about following rules, and then at the end of it, you have a checklist, and you go before uh, their gods, and they have to say, right, have you passed? Have you failed? No, okay. No, with, with God, it's different. With the real God of creator, it's about relationship. It's about those things. It's not just about following your rules. It's about a change of heart, a change of who you're following, a 
of who you are. And that means it's not just about, I have done this, or sorry, I haven't done this, or I haven't done that, so I'm okay. It's about, what have you done? Have you done the right thing? What have you done this week that's the right thing? It's about knowing we're not ever going to be right just by, by following rules. That it's only by accepting what Jesus did for us on the cross and grasping that and only through crying out to him and turning from our old ways and following Jesus that we can ever achieve salvation. You're nothing but a wisp of fog catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Well, I'm going to give you a bit more hope than that. Because, yes, we are just wisps of fog. Um, I don't know if you've ever done your family tree at all. Oh, yeah, Steve's done his family tree. My, d my dad did the family tree. It was, a, well, it was a bit depressing, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> but he did the family tree and went back a, a few generations. And do you know what? I, went, I actually went to a graveyard. That's, that's how I do rock and roll. I went to our family graveyard. Well, my family have lived in the same 400-meter square uh, patch of land for the past about, oh, I don't know how many generations. So the local churchyard is full of different names that are, are relatives uh, of me. Uh, and so I went down there, and I, I th saw all these stones. There. And, you know, I was, it was really sad. I didn't know any of them. They were all my relatives. I haven't got a clue. You know, I, I, th I didn't even know my, my grandparents died, really. My grandfathers died before I was born. So I've heard stories about them, but I didn't know them. And all these gravestones were all overgrown as well. Nobody bothered anymore. And I, one thing I noticed about uh, graveyards was those that are probably in th this generation, they still have the flowers on, they're still cared for. Those in the other ge generation might have. Those in the generation beyond that never have. They never have those arms. We, we are just wisps of snow, wisps of fog, aren't we? Wisp of vapor, just like that Febreze there. We spray and our lives are there and then it's gone. But we're more than that. We are so much more than that. And that's why I want that uh, next slide to come on. Because although we are just, just a wisp of fog, We've been loved so much by God, he was willing to send his son to suffer and die for us. Wisp of fog, wisp of Febreze. But God was willing to come down and die for us. Just a wisp of fog, just a wisp of fog, sorry, but invited and made to be part of God's work here on earth. Do you want to be a wisp of fog that just floats around and just, oh, right, bye, it's gone now. It's a bit pointless, wasn't it? Or do you want to be a wisp of fog that actually can be part of God creator work here on earth. Just a wisp of fog, but able to make eternal difference. Just a wisp of fog, but able to make eternal difference. I had a phone call on uh, Friday morning. Uh, straight after the service today, I'm going to get in the car and go and see my mother. She had a heart attack the other day. And uh, she's doing fine, by the way. She's all right. But it's just a, l a little heart attack. And uh, 
She's had a, a few of these little scares in the last couple of years. She's coming to the end of her life. She's 86. Her wisp of fog is soon to be, to be gone. And uh, I'll obviously remember the best mum in the world. Uh, I will remember her greatly. And her grandchildren will remember her, I'm sure, greatly and with fond memories. Great-grandchildren. She's got two slightly older than Caleb. Um, great-granddaughters might remember and the next generations won't but I know that she has made an internal difference I'm not going to judge whether it could be better worse or whatever but I know she has made that eternal difference and even though people won't acknowledge her here on earth in maybe two or three generations time I know that God knows and I know that she's been part of a plan and part of a difference in making this world just a bit a better place and people's lives a bit of a better place. So I want to challenge us all, and I'm challenging me more than anybody else, to just think about your wisp of fog, your time, because time is the one thing that we all have and that's the most valuable thing going. And it's often the thing that we waste the most, isn't it? And I just have a little bit of a challenge about even just one year can be really, really important. If you don't think one year is important, just talk to a student. Just think of them, just do them up to their exams. I'll have a year off. Well, that would make a bit of an impact to their life, wouldn't it? If you think one month isn't really very important, just ask the mother of a premature baby. To them, it's everything. If you think one week isn't important in your life, just talk to the editor of a weekly newspaper. He misses it or she misses a week. That's probably their job over, if I'm honest with you. If you don't think one hour is very important, then just talk to two lovers who haven't seen each other for an age and then tell them that an hour together isn't very important at all. Because for them at that point, it can be the most important thing in the world. If you think that one minute isn't very important, ask to the person who's just missed a flight because it can be pretty important to them, can't it? If you think a second isn't very important, just talk to the guy who's just nearly had a car crash but missed by that much because that second was vital. And if you think a hundredth of a second isn't, in the po- Im- isn't important, just talk to the guy who's just won silver medal in the Olympics because that hundredth of a second can be vital, can't it? Every moment of our life is really, really important. So what are we doing with it? What am I, what are you doing with your wisp of fog? Are you getting serious about using it well by making the maker's instructions? Or are you trying to keep all the control? What are you doing about your spiritual pride? What are you doing about dignity and honor? Just like a wisp of fog, but a wisp of fog 
that's invited to be part of God's work here on earth. Just a wisp of fog, but able to make an eternal difference if we use our time as that wisp of fog well. Now, there's a lot in that, and I recommend you have a look through James 4 yourself. Come back to me and disagree. Not now, though, please. Later on, uh, if you like. But have a look through it. There's some good stuff there. I'm going to close now, and I'm going to give you some homework. I'm a teacher. What else am I going to do? I'm going to give you some homework. Uh, hopefully, you're all embedded in, in small groups um, as the as they start this week, and maybe you can discuss this in small groups. I don't know. It'll be up to you. But oh, thanks, Chris. You got those. If you could uh, give them to a couple of people just to hand out. I don't know if there's enough for everybody. Well, we'll see. If there's not, we'll we'll work it out. But uh, I've got a piece of paper. There's two sides to it. Uh, on one side, I've put down the list of six spiritual prides and spiritual humilities on there, and then on the other side. There's a lovely little table for you to fill in, all right, with uh, an honest and truthful other. There's a couple of other questions on there at the bottom. Please don't think I'm asking you to do this now. I'm not. There's too much for you to do. But take it away with you and, and have a think and talk with people. It's important that you have in your life somebody who loves Jesus as well and uh, and can and can maybe just point you in the right direction. Actually, no, I don't think you're actually that. I think maybe you need to look at this as well. That's one of the, another reason why God puts us in community, isn't it? To be able to do that. And if you are sitting there thinking, well, I, just, I came here because I'm interested, John. I'm not here to do your own work. <laughs> you know, I'm not giving my uh, life to Jesus yet. I'm just wondering what this Jesus person is all about. Well, that's fantastic. By all means, have a look at that. And I'd recommend as well um, that you come along. Come along to Alpha or talk to people around you about making the most of your wisp of fog and how instead of it just being a wisp of fog here and gone like that, it can be something that's involved in an eternal plan that has significant impact and that can ultimately lead to your eternal life as well. What a massive thing. Anyway, I'm going to ask you just to, to look through that and maybe take this time just to, to pray, uh, to ask God maybe to, to point out in your life, what are my spiritual pride, prides in there? And maybe to think as well, um, what should I be doing? What have you got planned for me this week? It doesn't have to be massive, but what is it? So I'm going to ask, and I've not asked Ian before this, so apologies, Ian, just to put on uh, a song of your choice just as we, um, just as I close and ask you to do that. Okay, thank you. <laughs>